Christmas Eve service, and I'm going to try to do a candlelight service this year. I want to make it at, at 5.30 on Christmas Eve, so that's December 24th at 5.30 on, I believe, Saturday. Um, our kids' Christmas program, I wanted to have it on Christmas, but there's going to be quite a few families out of town that week, so we are going to move it um, to, uh, what is that week before that, the 18th, I believe, December 18th, so Parents, um, if, if your kids are plugged in, please help them be plugged in. That gives us one week left to prepare. They're working on it in Children's Church. There's papers for you to go over your program with your children with. December 11th, after the morning service, um, we're going to have a brunch, a, a church family brunch like we normally do once a month. We try to do once a month. So plan on that brunch. But after that brunch is going to be the rehearsal for our, our children's Christmas, uh, I don't know what you call it, a play. Christmas stuff program, Christmas program. <laughs> so just keep keep that in mind with upcoming. You can find the information in your bulletin, um, but just know that's what's that's what's coming up. I want everyone to be prepared for that. It's changed from what we originally intended. So back to our back to our our focus for the day. Back to our study today. In this text, I said we're covering a lot of verses. We're going to see rejection. We're going to see a warning from Jesus. And then Jesus ends this with a healing of a blind man. Um, a very interesting study. It took me a long time to wrap my mind around this. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to exhaust everything as I, I never can exhaust everything um, from our study today. Um, but there are some, some big, big points, some big ideas that I want to pull out today. Uh, we're going to be going kind of quickly just because there's so much to cover. Uh, we'll see a lot of details and definitions, just normal stuff that we normally see. But let's start in Matthew 16. Uh, we'll, just, we'll dive right into the text here. Verses 1 through 4, and here's where we get this idea of rejection. Matthew 16, verse number 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, he can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. 
did anyone else learn that as a child? My dad taught me that right at morning sailors take morning right at night sailors to like. I just thought that was that was interesting. Um, that's not our main thought today. Don't worry. Um, but but we see these Pharisees and we see these Sadducees who became good good at determining the weather from the sky, but they were horrible with their their theology and their understanding of Christ the Messiah. So they could take the simple stuff of, with with the color of the sky and tell you what the weather was, but they had the Messiah right in front of them. And they were, they were blind, and they rejected the Messiah right in front of them. And we'll talk about that as we go. Um, let's pray, and then, then we will we'll jump right into to our text. Dear Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we can come together as a body of believers, a group of people that, that has believed in you, that has trusted in you, that has looked to you as our Lord and our Savior. I thank you that we can have confidence in you and who you are, and, and your faithfulness. I thank you for the life that you have given. I thank you for, for the sight that you have given, that we can see that we have a spiritual need. I thank you for offering the solution to that need. I thank you for your compassion and your love towards us. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your working in each and every one of our lives. I pray that you will please give us understanding today. Please work in our hearts. Uh, please make it clear what you would have for us to see today, and I pray that you will be honored and you will be glorified today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this morning we're picking up back with, with the journey of Christ through the New Testament, the journey of Christ through the Gospels, and we've been looking at what he's been doing, what's been going on. Um, if you remember, Jesus had just left Galilee with his disciples. He made that long journey through the Gentile territory, 120 to 150 mile journey going around trying to have this time of seclusion with the disciples, this time of training, but also some insight to that there would be future dealings with the Gentiles. We saw the woman whose daughter was healed, the woman with the demon-possessed daughter. We saw other miracles. We Last week saw Jesus um, feed the, the 4,000 men plus women and children. We saw that miracle. Um, Jesus, I want you to think about this. Jesus has been free from the attacks from the religious leaders, from the, the Pharisees, from the scribes, from the Sadducees. Jesus has been free of this for some time now. He's been in Gentile territory. He had quality time with the disciples. He gets in a boat with his disciples. Remember, after the feeding of the 4,000, they get in a boat and they sail to the other side. They sail to Magdala. You can read that in Matthew 15, 39. Somewhere near Dalmanuth, you can read that in Mark 8, verse 10. So they go to the other side. And they're there. It's in the Jewish region of Galilee, if that helps. Um, they don't know exactly where Magdala is, um, but somewhere in the region of Galilee. Somewhere along the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. They get out of the boat. So they've been free of this, this persecution from, from the religious leaders. They get out of the boat, and here comes the Jewish religious leaders. It's like they were standing there waiting for Jesus to come. Waiting for Jesus to come back. So here comes these religious leaders, or leaders. They were not a welcoming committee. They're not like, hey, Jesus, we missed you. We're so happy you're back. You know, here, here's what's going on. They're still looking to discredit Jesus, and their ultimate goal was to have him killed. You can see their blindness. You can see their rejection. You can see their hatred for the Messiah. So here they come. They come up to Jesus. Verses 10 and 11 of Mark chapter 8. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, 
and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. So that's where they're headed. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. So Mark just tells us there were Pharisees. Matthew tells us, remember, there were Sadducees and Pharisees. Um, that's kind of interesting that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were together. Um, they didn't really like each other that much. Pharisees and Sadducees did not get along well. Um, Paul would use that to his advantage down the road where he says something that they don't agree with and then they start fighting with each other. So you can see that um, further on in the New Testament. But they came to Jesus, and they're demanding a sign from heaven. Jesus, give us a sign from heaven. Show us a sign from heaven. We don't believe who you are. We really don't want to believe who you are. We fully reject you, but we just want to discredit you among the people. That's what, that's what they're doing here. Their motive was to trip Jesus up. The text tells us they were tempting him. Isn't that so sad? Like we can get used to the Pharisees and, and Sadducees, how they treated Jesus. The Messiah was standing right in front of them. Yet they continued in their blindness and their rejection and their hatred of the Messiah. Uh, these, these Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't get along, but here they, they come together and they work together to try to discredit the Messiah. You can see their, their hatred working together here against the Messiah. Uh, just... Some examples here of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were legalistic. Um, they separated themselves from all forms of moral or cu cultural defilement. We've seen how they built those walls around themselves, trying to keep themselves holy, but we understand the problem was that they were unrighteous to begin with. So that's the Pharisees. They zealously protected institutional Judaism. They elevated rabbinic tradition, even above the scriptures. Remember that? Jesus called them out on that. Um, then we have the Sadducees. They would have been the liberals of the day. They had no regard for the oral traditions of the Pharisees. They acknowledged the Torah, but they denied key doctrines. Um, long list of doctrines that we could look at. The angels, the resurrection, the immortality of the soul. Interesting, they were guardians of the temple policies and operations. They were, they were money changers at the temple. Um, they sold the sacrificial animals, which is interesting because they just really extorted the people. Uh, people could bring their, their lamb. They say, your lamb isn't good enough. you got to buy mine. And I'm going to upsell that to you by however much. And they would just rob the people. They would change the people's money to a certain currency, but then they would charge the people a whole bunch there. So you can see they had some issues there where they had these big moral issues. And we have these two groups that didn't like each other, but they're united against Jesus here. They said, show us a sign from heaven. And Jesus had, had been performing miracles. He had, done, he had done mighty works. But it was believed by a lot of the Jews or many of the Jews that demons could mimic earthly miracles. Remember, they, they said Jesus operated in the power of the devil. Mark 3.22, they accused Jesus of operating in the power of the devil. You're not, you're not God. You're not from God. You're operating in the power of the devil. Anyone, anyone can do that. Any devil can mimic earthly miracles. They wanted a big heavenly miracle here. They wanted something to happen in the sky so crazy that there would be no, no doubt that he was the Messiah. 
except we know their blindness and we know their motives that it wouldn't have mattered what Jesus did. They still would have continued to reject him. Jesus had already done plenty of miracles to prove his divine power, to prove his deity, to prove that he was God. And these, these religious leaders would have still rejected him as their Lord, as their Savior, and as their Messiah. So look how Jesus responds here. They're trying to tempt him, verse number 12. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Let's not read over that too quickly. Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, seeing how these religious leaders responded to him. You can sense this frustration. You can you can sense this this. I believe you can see concern and care here. You can see that the sadness on Jesus is that that these religious leaders are just blind and they're leading his people blindly into the ditch. You you can see Jesus's frustration here. He says, "Why does your generation seek a sign?" He indicted an entire generation here. Not just the religious leaders. He says, your generation needs to see a sign. Jesus had clearly given evidence over and over that he was indeed the Messiah. What the Old Testament wrote about him, the the things the Old Testament said Jesus would be, he was. He fulfilled them as the perfect Messiah. But nothing that he did was good enough for these people. Their willful rejection was so strong that no sign would actually convince them. So they stayed in their dark, spiritually blind state of mind. In Matthew, he calls them a a wicked and adulterous generation. That can tell the weather by the color of the sky, but they don't recognize the Messiah standing right in front of them. I couldn't imagine, or I can't imagine that that didn't sit too well in these religious leaders' ears. Your wicked and adulterous generation. Matthew also tells us the only sign that they will get is the sign of Jonah. And that's speaking of his, his death and resurrection. Matthew 12, 39 and 40, we've, we've looked at that already. Where, actually, let's just turn there. We only have 30 more verses to cover. Matthew 12, 39 and 40. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign, or there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So coming down the road, Jesus is going to, from this point, Jesus is going to die. He's going to be executed, murdered, sacrificed on the cross. He'll be placed in the earth for three days, but he will rise again victorious. That's so exciting. He is not going to stay dead. He is going to rise victorious. There's a, there's a sign for you. Death could not hold Jesus captive. He rose victorious. Jesus said that's all this generation is going to get. 
But do you remember how they responded to that resurrection? Fast forward in your mind, they created lies to tell Jesus that the disciples actually came and stole him away. They paid people to cover up this miracle of God being raised from the dead. They didn't believe then either. So Jesus rebukes them, and he walks away. They were blind leaders of the blind. They were going to be left to their blind ways. They rejected Jesus, and he walked away. He had enough of their rejection. He didn't say in reason. He didn't say in argue. He walks away. That's, I mean, a sad thought to think of. But their rejection was very evident. And Jesus was not sticking around. He was moving on. So we see Jesus walking away. Matthew 16, 4 says he left them and departed. Mark 8, 13 says that he left them. Verse 13, he left them and entered into the ship, again departed to the other side. He knew they wouldn't believe, and he left them to their own self-righteous delusions. Isn't that what they were? They thought they were good. They thought that they had it figured out. They didn't need a Savior in their minds. They didn't need this Messiah. They were good enough. Their walls were thick enough to protect their righteousness, which was just a delusion, which was just hypocrisy, because they were maybe putting on the outside, but inside they were full of dead men's bones. He knew they wouldn't believe that he was not here to their self righteousness. Jesus and the disciples get back into the ship and head to the other side. And it appears from this point on that Jesus focuses his ministry in Jerusalem and in Judea. Remember, he was in Galilee, and, and he walks away from Galilee from these religious leaders. Next time we have him going through Galilee, he goes through secretly. Mark 9.30, if you want to look that up. Look at verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one boat. Okay, and the story kind of changes gears here a little bit. So we saw these, these blind religious who are not willing to believe, who are not willing to accept. So they're blind and they're staying blind. Then they get on the boat here with the disciples. The disciples, the disciples of Christ, the followers of Christ here, the apostles, had believed in Jesus. They, they had seen the truth. They, they had come to Christ as their Lord and their Savior. So we have believers in Christ. They get in this boat. They start sailing. Do you see what they start thinking about immediately? Oh, man, we forgot the bread. We got this boat ride now. Again, we forgot the bread. They start looking around the boat. We don't even have a whole loaf. How are we all going to eat? What are we going to do? I mean, can't you just, like, picture? Like, this is a normal thing with the disciples, it seems. Verse 15 Jesus knows what's going on, and he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. Okay, so Jesus knows what's going on with them, and then he gives them this, this warning. Jesus sees an opportunity to teach this, this spiritual truth to his disciples. Remember, he's getting ready... 
ready to die, to raise again, and eventually to ascend to heaven. The disciples are going to be left alone on the earth, but the Holy Spirit's coming to help them. But, but they're going to be ministering without Christ. Okay, so they need to learn this stuff. There's a lot to learn, and Jesus is focusing on teaching them. And he's going to use this opportunity to use this physical example to teach a spiritual truth. So Jesus gives this warning. He charges them, which means giving orders or commanding them. He says, take heed or watch out. Beware. Insistent warning. So picture Jesus being very sincere, very serious here. And he says, watch out. Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Matthew tells us also the Sadducees. And then Mark tells us also Herod. Leaven, we know it is yeast. You know, it takes a small amount to make bread rise or to impact the bread. So we have here this leaven signifying influence. It's illustrating influence, spiritual influence. So all three of these, these groups that we're looking at right now, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, and Herod, all three were very influential in first century Israel. They were very different, yet they all hated Christ. And all three were spiritually blind. I just want to give you a, a quick synopsis here of, of their spiritual influence or lack of spiritual influence that they would have had on the people here. The Pharisees followed a system of works-based righteousness and superficial externalism, spiritual frauds. They looked good on the outside, but inside they were spiritually dead and unrighteous, and they led many people down the same path. They promoted this self-righteousness to the people. They wanted people following them, not following Christ, not following the Messiah, and that's why they would always be trying to discredit the Messiah. They like the people following them. Then the Sadducees. We said they're the liberal thinkers. They were pragmatic. They were rational in their view of God's word. If they didn't like it, um, if they didn't like it or if it didn't make sense to them, they didn't believe it. They were also very materialistic. We talked about them robbing the people at the temple. They just exploited the people financially. Then we have Herod. Immoral, wicked behavior of Herod Antipas and all that acted like him. The Herodians openly welcomed the immoral influences of the Roman culture. So all three of these behaviors had no place among the followers of Christ. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees. Beware of the leaven of Herod. Beware of these ideas, these worldviews, if you will. Watch out for them. Jesus is warning against the ever-present threat of legalism, of hypocrisy, of materialism, of rationalism, of immorality, and all that goes with them. These were real threats to the disciples, then and still threats today. We can see these same ideas, just maybe with a different name tag on them today. Real threats that are daily present. So Jesus is trying to teach the spiritual truth to the disciples. Look how the disciples respond to this warning. Verse 16. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. <laughs> Do you see their concern? Their concern is physical here. Man, we forgot bread. Jesus, you know? 
think about it. So he's telling us, watch out for the leaven that these other people might be putting in bread. <coughs> Look how Jesus responds. And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet? Neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? Jesus is being really firm with them here. He's saying, guys, you have spiritual ears, you have spiritual eyes. You've been able to see these things. You've physically seen me work and do miracles. You have believed on me. Do ye not remember, verse 19, when I break the five loaves among the thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? So can you picture Jesus kind of chewing out the disciples here? He says, hey, remember that one time when I fed a whole bunch of people with not too much? How'd that work out? Everybody got full and there was a lot left over. Okay, guys, how many baskets were left over? He asked the disciples. They respond. They say, unto him, twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took he up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it? that ye do not understand. Jesus calls them out. I am teaching you spiritual truth. You have spiritual sight. You have spiritual ears. Why do you not understand what I'm trying to tell you? I'm speaking on a spiritual level. I'm teaching you spiritual things here. Pay attention. Think about it, guys. I'm not talking about the literal leaven and the literal bread from from Herod and from the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I'm talking spiritually here, paying attention. Thankfully, Matthew records for us in chapter 16, verse number 12, Then understood they how that we bade them not to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. They understood. They got it. Jesus was speaking to them, watch out for this dangerous doctrine that is prevalent now and it's going to be prevalent when you're trying to tell the world about me. You see, these disciples were not blind. Their hearts were not hardened. They did not reject Christ and his teaching. They believed and they followed him. They had spiritual sight. They had spiritual understanding. They understood the warning that Jesus gave them to watch out. Watch out for the man-made doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Watch out for this immoral thinking of Herod and his followers. Follow me. Follow my ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Don't be distracted by the ways of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and any other religious system that might come along. Believe on Christ. Believe on me. Believe on the Messiah. Those other ways may look tempting. Those other ways may appeal to your flesh. We're trying to be better, trying to do better, trying to, to be a, a person that God would be pleased with. That might be appealing. The fact is, is that we need Christ. We, and in ourselves, are wicked and unrighteous. Tough to swallow sometimes. But Christ 
has made a way, God has made a way for us to take on the righteousness of Christ and to be declared righteous before the Father. The other ways may look tempting, but they're never satisfying. They may be appealing, but their ways lead to death and destruction. And we have Jesus here, follow me. They get to Bethsaida, and look what Jesus does here. Verse number 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. You get the idea that people are just waiting by the, the seashore until Jesus is in their He's going back and forth, east coast to the west coast here. West coast, east coast, back and forth. Every time he pulls up, there's somebody waiting for him, it seems. This time there's a blind man looking for healing. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Do you picture this? Here Jesus gets out of the ship. Just got done teaching his disciples. Here's somebody that needs healed. You see, Jesus takes him by the hand and walks him right out of the city. You get this compassionate one-on-one time with Jesus. He knows he needs healing, so Jesus spits on his eyes. You know, the man couldn't see, but he could feel Jesus touching him, knowing something that was going on. Imagine if this man had never seen before. Well, he opens up his eyes. Jesus said, do you you see? Can you see anything? Yeah, I can see guys, like trees. They're they're kind of blurry walking around. I wonder if this was the disciples observing and and looking what's going on. This blind man, maybe for the first time, can even see stuff. And he can't make out details. Verse 25, and after that he put his hands again upon his eyes. Do you picture this? Jesus touching the man's eyes again. Okay, you thought that was nice. You, You thought it was nice to be able to see something. Watch this. Touches his eyes. Then he makes him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So this blind man looks up and he can see clearly. Life changing for this blind man. Verse 26, and he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. So Jesus gives this man sight. And it's interesting, we've just been talking about these religious leaders who were spiritually blind. And then we talk about uh, the disciples of Christ who, who could see spiritual things. God had allowed them to see and to understand. And then we get down the road, we get to this story of a literal illustration of Jesus of a blind man being able to see. What a great visual reminder for the disciples. I mean, great day for that man, too. He could see now. He was healed. His life just got changed. No more having to beg for food. No more having to rely on other people to take care of his needs. He could see. But we see this this visual reminder from Jesus... Showing them that I give sight. I give life. And I wonder if this maybe helped the disciples. We should listen to Jesus. We we should follow him. We should pay attention to what he has to say. He is the truth. He is worth 
giving our lives for. He is worth following. He, he has physical power, and he has spiritual power. Yeah, I just wonder if, if these types of things help to encourage them all the way to their the martyr's death that they experience and their faithfulness through all kinds of difficulties. You know, this world is filled with darkness. I mean, look outside, watch the news. The world is filled with darkness, the, the sinfulness of man. This world is filled with spiritual blindness. Of the, the truth of Jesus right in front of people, but there's this, this blindness. Or they refuse to believe. They, they reject the truth of Christ. There's things, there's religions pulling people into darkness all over the place. With people searching for religion, trying to find this hope and rejecting the whole time the truth of the gospel. I mean, the, the gospel so simple. Yet, so eye-opening to the fact that we're not perfect and we're not righteous and we need something greater than ourselves. And we see here, beware. Beware of these other things pulling away from the truth. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Trust him. Follow him. Seek him. Seek his truth. Seek him. Ask him to, to show you, to help you understand spiritual truth. So many people are blind and are searching. We have this, this, this sight from God, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the ability to understand who he is and his faithfulness and his care and his compassion. But we don't need to see anything else other than Jesus. There is the one. He is the answer. And you know what? He is worthy of following him. He is worthy of all praise and honor and worship. And I'm so thankful for him and his love, and his compassion. That's pretty good. Dear Father, I thank you so much for the way that you work in our hearts and our lives. I pray that you will help us to have you be the, the focus of everything. That we will recognize you, that you will just illuminate our mind, that you will give us understanding of your greatness and, and your power and, and your, your worthiness and your holiness and your righteousness. I pray that you will help us to, to see you and follow you and love you. I pray that you will please work in our hearts and you will, you will give us understanding and that you will draw us to praise you and to glorify you every single day. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Just pray that you will work in our hearts. I pray that you will work in the hearts of the world. I pray that you will draw people to yourself. I pray that you will work in a mighty way. Please help us to be faithful.
deliver the, the message of the gospel. You let your light shine. Please work in us however you need to work in us. Please work in me however you need to work in me. In Jesus' name.